Good evening, Bosch BM. It's great to be together again. And uh, last time we met, so I'm just going to adjust this. Last time we met, uh, there was uh, some smoke bellowing through uh, the back doors there, there was some smoke on the ceiling, and we are praying for students, we are praying for firefighters, and uh, I just want to say a big well done to our students team, Josh and the students team, and everyone that was involved last week with just helping with the relief team to getting toiletries and necessities and stuff for students, is absolutely amazing, so well done team, well done to everyone who got involved, let's get them a round of applause if we can, it's amazing. <clears throat> And uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Garth. I'm married to the amazing Samantha Olufia. If you haven't met her, make sure that you do get to meet her. She is absolutely amazing. Well, it's been back, uh, great to be back in the book of Mark. And uh, it's been quite a roller coaster ride in the last two weeks. We've had a cow kickoff the series. We went into Mark chapter 8 and we saw uh, Jesus would rebuke his disciples. He would tell them to deny themselves, to uh, take up their cross, to, to follow him. And uh, it's been amazing chatting to a few people this week where that message has really grabbed the hearts of some of us. It's been absolutely amazing. I was chatting to some people and they were just saying that they've had to make some difficult decisions. They knew that it was going to cost them, but they knew that it was obedient to Jesus. And uh, they've made those decisions in the right way. They followed the Lord in that. It's been great, great to see. Uh, Last week, Paul did a great job of speaking to us about the transfiguration, a big word. This kind of where Jesus was transfigured with Moses and Elijah, and, and part of his divinity and his glory was revealed. And Paul asked us this question, do you want to hear God? Do you want to hear God? He made the case that to follow Jesus is to listen to Jesus, to center our lives around him, but to listen to him, not to have selective hearing in a way or become our own gods in a way. And this week, uh, this week, life gets a little bit more interesting as we see Jesus now comes down the mountain and we see him uh, step into a situation and he heals a boy with an unclean spirit. What I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Nicole to come up and she's going to read the scripture for us and just pray for us before we dive in. Hi, Bosch PM. I'm reading from Mark 9, verses 14 to 29. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around him and scribes arguing with him. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with him? And someone from the crowd answered them, teacher, I brought my son, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground and he foams and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they saw, they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell onto the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can't do anything, please have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for those who believe. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, 
You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing the boy terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him and rose him. And when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why, would it, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but pray. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, that we serve such a powerful God who meets his people, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are privileged enough to, to gather in your house and worship you, Lord Jesus, and online, Lord, Father God. I pray, Lord, that tonight as you speak through God, that we would, um, that you would open our hearts and our minds and our spirit, Lord Jesus, to hear from you, Lord. That you would presence us, that we would presence um, you in our hearts, Lord Jesus, and that we would hear from you. And thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Nicole. <clears throat> so at first, when we would read the story, you could think that maybe we're going to head into uh, talking about the best five exorcism techniques that you could have. And uh, I can tell you that's not where we're going this evening. Actually, when we dig a little bit more, when we go a little bit deeper into the story, you're going to see that God is revealing to us here that if we're going to follow Jesus, he would call us to be a, pa- a people of prayer or faith and prayerfulness. Faith and prayerfulness. And tonight we're going to move through the story that Mark tells us. And we're going to see how Jesus deals with the situation before us and how he reveals this truth to us. And so, first of all, we have what I like to call the situation. The situation. Every good story has a situation. And uh, there is a situation here. There's this boy. He's, he's demon-possessed. And the disciples have stepped in to try and cast out this demon. And uh, we find that they can't cast it out. And demon possession and casting out demons and healing and miracles, this isn't foreign to us. We've seen this in Jesus' ministry. And uh, this wouldn't be foreign for the disciples to actually step in and do this either. Uh, Just a couple of chapters back in Mark 6, we'd see that Jesus gives them authority over evil spirits. So it's not foreign to them either. Except this time, it's not working. This time it's not working. There's something missing. And so we've got a couple of characters up front here. We've got the unsuccessful disciples. And then we've got the scribes. They were like the lawyers or the, the lawmakers of the time. And uh, they also formed part or sect of the Pharisees. And so we know that these guys, any time that they could doubt Jesus or his claims, you can imagine, as soon as you see the disciples not being able to uh, cast out this demon, they couldn't wait to just come up and argue with them. And then we have the uh, the concerned father of the boy who just wants his son to get better. And man, this has been happening since childhood. It's been happening since childhood, and man, he just, whether it's disciples, scribe, whoever, he just wants him to get better. And he'd be the first person to come to Jesus. Jesus seeing them arguing, and he'd come up and he'd say, this is what's happening. And he'd say, the disciples couldn't cast them out. And Jesus, with great frustration, would say this, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus saying in not so many words, what he's saying is, let me settle a bit of the argument here. There's a common denominator here, and that's that you don't have enough faith. You, you have an all-powerful God. You've got a difficult situation, but the only thing standing in your way here 
is this unbelief. Is this unbelief. And you can understand Jesus' frustration, especially with the scribes and the disciples. With the disciples, he would have been like, man, you've walked with me. You've seen the miracles that I've done. I've been revealing these truths to you. Um, A few chapters back, he'd also say, you have eyes, but you don't see. You don't see what's happening here. With the scribes, Jesus could see their cynical heart. They can see their cynical heart, probably never going to believe. With cynicism, what happens is you take a position of disbelief, and then you just justify that as you um, go into arguments. But what's great and what's classic Jesus here is that despite their unbelief, we see a compassionate, long-suffering, merciful Jesus move towards them, moves towards the Father, like a, like a physician starts asking him some questions. Tell me, how long has this been happening? Tell me, what's been going on? And the Father says, many years, this is what demon has done to him. This is what's been going on. But then the Father goes on to add insult to injury and says, but if you can do anything... But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus says to him, if you can, if you can, well, all things are possible for the one who believes. All things are possible for the one who believes. You see, what I've learned from uh, reading the Gospels is that when the most powerful person in the universe comes across problems and unbelief, we get what I like to call divine sarcasm. That's basically what happens here. We get some divine sarcasm, and it's nothing better than godly sarcasm. But you get it, right? You get it. Imagine for a moment we're we're in the venue, and um, there's someone who's pregnant, goes into labor. We're trying to help her, and, and Tim runs up, and I run up, and we're trying to help her, and we're arguing about this back and forth and what we need to do. And then uh, Bussi, who's a fourth-year medical student and doing, is doing gynecology now on her block, walks up to us, and we're arguing, and we're like, there's nothing else we can do. There's nothing else. And Bussi's like, guys, is there any? We're like, we cannot think. That we've run out of options. We've run out of options. There's just absolutely nothing. She'd be like, oh, but I spoke to you about this the other day. I told you I was studying. Oh, yes, you studied. But do you really think you can help? Bussi would be like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And that's what's happening. And you might say, Garth, that's quite an obvious illustration. And I'd say, well, this is Bussy with human knowledge, limited power, and a practical example. Spiritually, how crazy it is that we seem to doubt an all-powerful God, his ability to intervene into our lives, into situations. Man, we can, we can understand the divine sarcasm here. And why is it there? Well, Jesus simplifies it for us when he says, All things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible for those who believe. And when Jesus is saying all things are possible, what he means is he is an all-powerful God. There's nothing that is too great for him. He can do anything. Which makes the case here that the problem is not the divine willingness or the power of God, but it's actually the human unbelief. It's our unbelief, because there's no doubt that God is able. In fact, Matthew 17, it says, if we have the faith the size of a mustard seed, very small, the faith the size of a mustard seed, mountains can be moved. That's what Jesus would say, his very words. 
In other words, what he's saying to us is even just a small bit of faith in an all-powerful God can accomplish things that only a powerful God can do. What he's not saying is that we can control God's power, that we accomplish whatever we desire. We hijack God's power for our selfish purposes. That's not what he's trying to say. But man, when we have faith in God, he'll fulfill things that are in line with his character, in line with his will, his promises, his scripture. And let me tell you, that doesn't leave a lot off the table. It doesn't leave a lot off the table. You read the word of God, there are miraculous things. There are amazing things that our powerful God does. I like this definition of faith. It says, um, faith is a decision in the face of all that is contrary that God is able. Faith is a decision... In the face of all that's contrary, that God is able. Man, time after time, we'll see in the Word of God that nothing moves God's hand more than faith does. And not just moves His hands, but it pleases Him. It pleases Him. Hebrews says that it's impossible to please God apart from faith. Next in our story, we see the penny drop for the Father as He receives this, this kind of divine a divine sarcasm, rebuke, instruction from Jesus. And he cries out one of the most beautiful and honest prayers that we see in Scripture. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Now that's like when my mom used to come home and she'd say, Garth, have you done your homework? And I'd say, yes, I have. I just didn't finish it. That's basically what it was. What he's saying is, I believe. But my faith is not perfect. My faith is not perfect. Jesus, help me to believe. What I love about this prayer is that, th- that there's so much sincerity. He's, he's honest. He's humble about the fact that he's struggling with faith in this moment. And if we're honest, it's probably a prayer that we can all relate to. We do our best to live by faith, but we don't always get it right. I mean, there's moments where... We do. We do things in our own strength, whether it's mundane tasks of everyday life, whether it's pivoting big changes in a pandemic. We tend to rely on self, not on on God. That's our tendency. I mean, in our hearts, we would earnestly want to seek God's kingdom and his way. And what actually ends up happening often is we end up falling into building our kingdom and wanting our way often. Or even just times where there's kind of a crossroads and we think that we know better than God. There's this crossword, decision, whatever it might be, and we think that we know better than God. We've got to understand that there's there's this war of faith that moves back and forth inside us. We need to thank God for the grace of faith that he has given to us. Faith is a gift from God. But if we're honest, it's not picture perfect for us all the time. We struggle with unbelief. We struggle with doubts. Man, we still need rescuing and strengthening from the Lord. And we need to often pray like this man did. God, help my unbelief. Lord, increase my faith. And uh, one of the ways the Lord uses to increase our faith is found in the next passage. It says, And when we had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind 
cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And you've got to love that. I mean, the disciples are with the scribes. They're all there. Jesus heals the boy, casts out the demon. That's amazing. The disciples are like scribes, told you so. We're with Jesus. Look at this. We are walking back to the house. They close the door, and the disciples are like, what just happened? What happened out there? Can you explain this to us? Because we're confident until we walk to the door. Now you need to tell us what's going on here. And uh, what Jesus is essentially saying, he's saying this kind only comes up by calling on me. It requires my power. And you see, this is where we see prayer and faith go hand in hand. And um, if faith and the power of God were ingredients to the meal of kingdom intervention then prayer would be the pot that we would cook them in. I'm going to say that again. If faith and the power of God were ingredients to the meal of kingdom intervention, prayer would be the pot that we would cook them in. And in the story, God's saying, you have access to an all-powerful God. Man, the secret ingredient is available to you. What's required of you is to bring faith-filled prayer. And you see, the, the, the disciples would have realized that they're dealing with a different kind of spiritual. They need to call on the power of God. They couldn't do it relying on themselves. And I think that's what God's talking about when he mentions prayer, where he, where he knows that prayer moves us from dependence on self to, to the reliance and the dependence on him. Prayer is this, it's this confession of our neediness and a celebration of God's grace. It's the, it's, as when we pray, there's this confession of our neediness and celebration that, oh, I need you. I need your grace. And for those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, there, there might have probably been a moment where the, the eyes of our heart were open to the gospel, who Jesus is, what he's done for us. Most of us probably would have prayed a prayer that would have declared that our hearts believed us. We, we probably would have prayed something that acknowledged the following, that um, we recognize our neediness, that we're sinful, that we don't have what it takes to be right with God. We would have prayed that Jesus made a way, that he died on the cross, that he paid for our sins so we could be set free, that he rose again on the third day, that the Spirit, his power that brought him up from the grave lives in you and I, and it's available and accessible to us. You would have prayed something along those lines. There would have been a recognition of our heart knowing that. And that's why every time we pray, it's an expression of the gospel and saying, Jesus, I don't have what it takes. I need your grace. I need your grace. This needs to be by your power, not mine. And maybe if you're here for the first time tonight, maybe you're still considering the claims of Christ. Maybe this would be your first step of faith. Maybe this would be your mustard seed of acknowledging and recognizing those truths of who Jesus is and what he's done. Also, something that I've I've realized is that It's often evident that those that live a lifestyle of prayer are people who are living lives reliant on the power of God and not in their, in their own strength. There's evidence of this where I see people who are living a lifestyle of prayer 
are living lives that are reliant on the power of God and not within their own strength. And prayer continually entrusts our lives to the Lord. It builds up our faith. And it's probably because prayer forces us to make a faith decision about circumstances and situations in our life when we bring them before God. We can't be neutral in prayer when we come to the Lord. It's either faith in Him or faith in ourselves. And there's, a, there's this old Christian saying, I think it probably started in the 80s, where people would say, have you handed it over to God? There's always one auntie that will tell you that. When you're telling them something about a situation or something that's happened, one of my aunts will always be like, but have you handed that over to God? And I love that because when we're entrusting, when we're entrusting these things to the Lord, it should feel like we're handing these things over. But, but what that really means is, have you done a faith audit on these things? Have you done a faith audit on these things? Have you prayed to God? Have you decided on these things to put your faith in Him, not in yourself, not in other things, not in people around you, not in anything else, but in Him? Corrie ten Boom is a, a Christian Dutch woman, and um, she, she wrote a book called The Hiding Place, and she is known for, um, she helped uh, Jewish, hide Jewish families in the time of World War II against uh, the Nazi regime. And uh, she believed that this is what God had called her to do. To do. She eventually got caught and um, she was sent off to a concentration camp. And while she was there, she would spread the gospel, the good news about Jesus with people. And uh, she would bring hope to a very hopeless situation. She'd bring hope to a very hopeless situation. And she had this to say about prayer. She said, the wonderful thing about praying is that you leave a world of not being able to do something and into God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his almighty power. Nothing is too small for his love. Isn't that amazing? And I've known this truth throughout my Christian life. I've known this. I've had aunts tell me, have you handed that over to Jesus? But I think this really hit home for me, I think, towards the end of last year. Um, most of us were tired. It was the second wave. Uh, there was a lot going on. I uh, felt like we are chasing life a bit. And uh, the way I like to explain it is you're coming into land and there's just not enough runway to be able to land. It's that kind of, that kind of a feeling. And um, in the space, I think God in his in his infinite wisdom and love, allowed me to go into some tough situations to get towards the end of myself, to allow me to come to my knees and call out in prayer to him and have to trust him. And that's exactly what happened. And I started praying, and I prayed like I've never prayed before. My faith did start, start to increase. It was amazing. And every time there would be a tough situation or something would come up, I'd know exactly where to run and who to run to and who to speak to. It was amazing. As my faith increased in this, there was nothing. I started seeing things. I was like, this thing just became a lot smaller. These things just became a lot smaller. Not because of me, not because of my strength, but because I knew where to run to. I knew that I could get on my knees and I could call on an all-powerful God. And um, one of the pictures that I have for that time was just um, almost like being underwater. And um, you're kind of going blue in the face, and you can't breathe. And God came to me and said, breathe. And I'm going, I, no, I can't breathe, I'm underwater. And I'm going blue in the face. 
And God said, trust me, breathe. And as I breathed out, it's like I could breathe underwater. And God said to me, my power, not yours. My strength, not yours. You rely on your strength. You're going to feel like you're running out of air. You want to trust me. Bring faith and prayerfulness and trust me and my power and my strength. It's going to feel like you can breathe underwater because it's about me, not about you. And uh, Ian, Tracy, and myself, we often talk about a a pray-and-go season. Uh, We're a team that work together, and uh, when we do feel that that runway is a little bit too short for the plane to come into land, where there's just emergencies, deadlines, tough conversations, the weight of life, um, we, we say it's time to lock and to pray and go. And it's just this acknowledgement that, man, we've got to remind ourselves that we need faithful prayer because we need a lot of him because there's not enough of us, enough in us. And, um, and what we often find is with that mustard seed of faith, with, with that faith that we bring, he often does a lot more than what we could ever do in our own strength, a lot more than we could ever do. And if I'm honest, this is something that should continue in our everyday lives. It isn't something um, that should only come at certain stages. It's something we constantly need God. We constantly need God. We constantly need His grace. So we've got to keep praying. And that's why Paul in Thessalonians, he says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Because when we do, when we truly understand the gospel, we, we never want to stop praying because we actually get it. We get that we are needy. And every day we need God's grace. We need his mercy. We need his power. And that's why it's not just about one big uh, blanket prayer. It's about living that lifestyle of prayer, that lifestyle of persistent prayer, a lifestyle which grows our faith more and more because we're on our knees calling out to God. And it means praying for small things. It means praying for big things. It's, it's short prayers. It's long prayers. It's prayers with lots of people, prayers in small group, prayers on a Sunday, prayers in the, in the silence of your room. Every prayer is a protest of faith in an all-powerful God. And I, I want to leave us with some questions to ask ourselves. <clears throat> When last did we pray like this? When last did we pray like this? When was the last time we called out to God in faith? I think of this last year and a bit within the pandemic, it's been a very tough season. There's been some very tough situations. And even if you just look back over this time, would you say that your life has been one marked by persistent, faith-filled prayer, trusting in the Lord? Or has it been marked by self-reliance, self-dependence, I can do it. I can hang in there. Maybe it's also just an agnostic attitude. Agnostic meaning just that kind of know that God's there, but he's not really interacting. He's not that powerful. He is, but I don't even know if he's going to get involved. Is there a point in praying? And what has prayer been like? Have we prayed for those who have been sick? Have we prayed while we've battled temptation? Have we brought our minds before God? Have we prayed through our thoughts? Have we, have we prayed through our anxieties or anxiety? Have we prayed through depression if we've been struggling with depression? 
Have you prayed about relational strain that you might be facing with family and friends? Have we prayed about, and you can fill in the blank, have we really prayed? Have we trusted God? Has your heart made the declaration that it's by His power and authority, not by our own? Do we believe that prayer is the highway that faith takes into the power of God? That prayer is the highway that faith takes into the power of God. And that's why we can bring an imperfect faith the size of a mustard seed and see the power of God intervene in the most astonishing ways. Because that's the grace of God. His willingness to act compassionately and powerfully with the smallest imperfect faith that we might bring. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and uh, the band can come up. Um, but I know also that some of us might be thinking, what about when prayer seems unanswered? And I'd say that when we pray to the Lord, it's not that, he would, that our prayers would be unanswered. It's that we want to trust Him and have faith in trusting His higher and greater purposes in our life. That what we prayed for might not be in line with what we prayed, but that we can find peace in knowing that we're entrusting these things to the Lord. That's where our faith goes, entrusting His high and greater purpose. And also just to say, there's some of us that were still waiting for prayer to be answered. Some of us are still waiting for prayers to be answered. And the call is not to lose heart or faith, but to continue praying like Paul says, without ceasing. We can't let discouragement from prayer keep us from praying. We need to trust in the Lord, be persistent in prayer. And I know sometimes this can distort our faith or create unbelief in it. And so what I'd encourage you to do is if this is something you're struggling with, move towards leaders, move towards friends, talk about these things, get people around you to pray with you in this and stand with you in prayer. Can I encourage you to do that? Can I ask us to stand? I just want to give us a moment to pray. first thing I'd just like to do is just give us a moment to pray ourselves. And what I'd like you to do is just take a moment where there have been things in your life. Maybe it's life of a family member, someone you know. But we spoke about the situation in the story. And where there's been situations, where there's been things in your life that maybe you felt you've been trying to do in your own strength, your own wisdom. I want you to just think through these things, things that might carry heavy on your heart. What I'd love you to do is just pray to the Lord right now. Asking Him to intervene.
Jesus, I pray that we would be a people marked by prayerfulness, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would help our unbelief. Lord, come and increase our faith. Jesus, I pray that we'd be people on our knees calling out to you. Putting things under faith protest, Jesus. Trusting an all-powerful God. We know that all things are possible with you, Jesus. That you specialize in the impossible. Jesus, we pray that you would come and intervene, that you heard, heard the, the prayers of your people, Lord. Scripture says that the prayers, our prayers are like a fragrance to the Lord. Lord, I pray that our faith would please you this evening as we trust you, Lord. That we might only bring the mustard seed, but we know that you're an all-powerful God. Mm. We thank you for this. Bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.